Hi, welcome to Leadership with Randy. I'm Randy Powell. Today you're listening to Lessons on Leadership, our weekly conversation with inspiring people sharing some of the stories and lessons from their journey. We may not ever have 100% buy-in on everything we're doing in all of our teams. We're not. But what I cannot have is dissension. We, we can't have that. I can't have you pulling us back three miles after we've made it five. We can't do that. And sometimes it is that, you know, as a team level, we need to be very upfront and honest. Here's where we're going. Here's why. I need to know who thinks this isn't going to work so that I can make sure I didn't miss anything. I'm excited to spend time today with Mary Ricketts, founder of Turning Point Training and Development. We'll hear from Mary about her own journey from corporate America to her role as a leadership coach working with entrepreneurs and business leaders and some of the lessons that she has learned along the way that help us with our own performance coaching conversations today. Now let's go talk with Mary. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to be back together again. We're near the end of 2021 and as strange a year as it's been, it's really strange weather too. So uh, yesterday it felt like summer and other than the hurricane winds that were uh, blowing through. So it's really a odd end of the year, but it's awesome to be closing it out and spend time with my good friend, Mary, who just has so much energy and excitement and passion for helping others. And I've been excited about spending time with her here for a bit on a few leadership topics, particularly around coaching, which is something that happens a lot this time of year, or is supposed to happen a lot this time of year as folks do performance reviews and performance planning and help get their teams uh, organized and set up for the coming year. And we're really lousy at it. <laughs> uh, I, I very rarely see people who do effective coaching and effective performance planning that leaves people either with a clear idea of what they're supposed to do to succeed or else just not beaten and pummeled into submission where they <laughs> feel like they need to go do something different. And Mary does this all the time. And so I want to talk a bit about effective coaching and uh, and uh, honesty and transparency and feedback. But why don't we go back and just talk about your journey and some of the things you've done that have uh, guided you and led you to this point in your career, Mary? Oh, my goodness. Thank, thank you, Randy. And good morning to everyone. And yes, it really is Thursday. Um, I, I am so excited and, and quite honored um, uh, to just talk a little bit about you know, what I do, who I am. Oh my good, Randy, let me tell you, when I sit back and think about when I got my first management position at AT&T, you all, I was 23 years old. I was 23 years old and I don't mind telling my age now, I am 54-ish. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit over 54, a little bit over 54, but I go back and I think about it and I think about everything that happened up until that point. I remember being told that I was too young, that I was too young. Um, I remember being told that, you know, if you want to go into, you know, leadership at AT&T, you need to have all this experience um, behind my belt. And it was interesting because one of my very, very dear friends, we've been friends since then, we've met at AT&T way back. And I remember her telling me, she's like, if you expect to get promoted, you've got to make some changes. 
And I was like, what do you mean? I'm awesome. Don't they just know that? <laughs> and it was like, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, and then also being caught in the, you know, you're young, you're female, you're in telecommunications. Um, this this is not probably uh, the ideal spot that you think you're going to get promoted. And I remember looking around and I'm like, there were not that many female managers um, years ago at AT&T. Of course, you know, we, we've broken that ceiling and the walls and, you know, and all that throughout the years. But I can remember getting the first opportunity uh, to be promoted. Matter of fact, I literally had to leave the department that I was in and transferred to another department to really get someone to see the potential. Because, and I don't know why we do that to people, but we do, you know, we're human. That sometimes if I see Mike, I'm gonna bring you into this conversation a little bit. If I see Mike and Mike starts off and he's 19, 20 years old, and that's the Mike that I see. I may not see that Mike that, you know, has transitioned and really matured in his skills. And I had to do it. I, I changed departments. Um, matter of fact, I was pregnant with my daughter, who is now 31. You all starting to put, you know, all the numbers together. And I can remember her saying, well, what do you really want to do? And I'm like, I, I'm ready for a leadership position. I'm ready to go into management. Um, this, this is where I think my gifts really are. I love helping people. And of course, you know, I love telling people what to do. So it just seemed like a really good fit, right? I'm bossy and I like people. That should make sense. Um, but I, I do remember early on getting um, the opportunity to go through our leadership and management training. You all, that was intense. Um, I was still pregnant. And then, you know, I got that nice little break, you know, after I had my daughter. And I will never forget the, um, my local boss at the time was Donna Zadanik. And I remember her boss was out of Chicago, Rutha Tillman. Rutha Tillman was a very old school African-American woman that you don't get a break because you're young. You don't get a break because of anything else. Matter of fact, I'm gonna probably be a little bit harder on you because I want you to be successful. And it was tough. It was tough. And then I was in the middle of, uh, of a divorce. I got promoted. I got moved to Milwaukee with this little baby at the same time. But I did it. I did. And here we are um, 31 years later. Um, many, many lessons learned, many, many errors made. <laughs> <laughs> Many errors made. I realized just because I was bossy and I like telling people what to do, that probably wasn't the best tool to lead with in leadership. So I had to learn. I had to learn how to uh, to adjust some things uh, and especially tone and, and verbiage and facial expressions because it's like I'm so easy to read that I also learned, you know, I have to catch myself you know, on how to do that. But leadership has always been something that um, that I've had a passion and desire for. And matter of fact, Randy, let me back that up. High school, high school, I remember getting promoted. Okay, I'm going way, way back, you guys. Godfather's Pizza. Anybody remember God? Okay, it's been a long time. I can remember, I wasn't even 18 yet, and I got promoted to being that, that shift manager. Y'all know what that was, so I could close the store. <laughs> but I wasn't 18 yet, which meant I couldn't even pour beer. 
So I always had to make sure that somebody that was there that was at least 18, because back then, you know, you better not touch that beer, beer pour. Um, that was probably, so if I even go back a little bit further, that was the very first. That was the very first opportunity um, I had. And it was, that was as like, I'm bossy and I have a great personality. I should be able to do this. Lessons learned years later. So now you have your own firm where you coach people on leadership. How did that come about? You know, it's, it's, it's really kind of a funny story, you all. Um, when I got that last layoff in telecommunications, I was like, okay, what am I going to do when I grow up? And I took some time. Um, I went into another industry first, but people knew me. People knew me in, in the community. Uh, I was, I loved Central Exchange. You know, I was there, you know, at Central Exchange, you know, a lot. So people knew me. People knew what my skills were. I would get phone calls. It's like, hey, can you come teach this? Or I would get that kind of that side conversation with someone that says, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about going into leadership, you know, but could you talk to me, you know, and those would turn into like 10, 12 coffee meetings. And I said, well, you know what, you know, you're missing some things. Can we just be honest? Uh, <laughs> you know, here's some things that I had to learn. Let me share them with you. So the coaching just started happening. And it's like, okay, some of you have, you've got the paper, right? You've got the degrees behind your name, but we're missing some of the soft skills. You know, we're missing some of the, do you really know how to talk to people? Which I think it's, it's not just a natural good, but it's something that we can learn as well. So I finally had um, this epiphany moment that said, you know what, I probably just need to split my company, go ahead and start turning point training and development because I see the potential in people and I see the opportunity. And often no one's taking the time to actually sit with people and lead them and guide them and be a sounding board for them as well. Because you, you know what it's like when, you, when you're the leader of the team and the organization, you often don't have someone that you can go to, you know, and vent, vent. <laughs> sometimes you need to talk about everybody else on your team, and sometimes you need to be able to talk about yourself. And so I started coaching and then I just, we got to bring in some real training. And so we started bringing in our training courses that would tie into it. So now we are sitting on about 142 training courses, everything from administrative skills to sales and marketing um, to leadership. And I've, I've got a team of several other trainers, you know, that train with me um, to, to help people really get to that excellent level that they desire. So coaching, training, development, for me, it, it all goes together. Otherwise, people just take a class. But to be that sounding board for someone, you know, to walk them through, to be the phone call. I got a phone call last night. I was in the kitchen cooking. Um, wonderful organization, multi-million dollar business. Hey, we have an issue out of our Seattle, Washington office. Can we run something past you? I'm like, sure. <laughs> because sometimes people just need to talk it through, right? You need to talk it through. Okay, let me give you some suggestions. Here's five things you may want to try, or here's three you may want to try. And they're excited. They're happy. They needed it. And then they can take off and run with it. So coaching, training, development, they all tie in together. And that's what we do. So I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've had people come in 
and I have to terminate this employee. They're not any good. They need to be gone. And you say, okay, well, let's go look at their last four performance reviews. And they all showed they were doing really good. <laughs> and it's like, wow, how did we not document anything <laughs> about this person that you absolutely hate, which just highlights how horrible the performance management process typically is. What, what have you found as the reasons why we have a hard time being uh, good at coaches and good at being coached. Oh my goodness. That's, that's the million dollar question, Randy, (laughs) for today. Here's what I have found self-included. Okay. So if we all go back to when we first, when we first got our leadership and management positions and we had to give a performance review, nobody likes telling someone that they're doing a horrible job. We don't like to do it right? We don't like to do it. Mike's like, nope, we don't. But if we look at it differently, right? It is about how do I have those difficult conversations? How do I have the uncomfortable conversations with people? But if you look at it in a, I'm really not trying to hurt Jeff's feelings, but if I really want Jeff to do excellent, I have to be honest with Jeff about what he's doing great, as well as the areas he needs to work on you're you're hurting your own team when you're not honest when you, I do not like when my own trainers come and tell me you didn't do that well I'm like oh shoot I'm the boss who cares <laughs> we've got to be okay being honest with our our teammates and if we think about it this is my team if if Randy's my friend and Randy is my friend, I need Randy to be able to tell me, Mary, hey, you do great at this. Here's a couple of things you may want to work on, and here's why. If it's only about the performance review, you all, we've already messed up. We've already messed up. If we're just trying to do it to check the boxes and let someone know, okay, you had five things that you need to do well. I think you did okay. When performance reviews are always tied to bonuses and increases, that's a challenge as well, because you don't want to, you know, I don't want to shortchange Wendy and I don't want to make, I want to make sure Karen has all the money she possibly can. You, you want those things to look good. So my suggestion is if you do it right, that performance review should never be a surprise. If you're doing it right, you're having great conversations all throughout the year. If there was one thing that irritated the daylights out of me when I wasn't in a management leadership position was my performance review. How dare you tell me I didn't do well in something when we've never had a conversation about it. And I'm an old union steward, you all. I love documentation. Yes, I am. CWA Local 6450 way back in the day. I love documentation. And you better believe I'm all about give me a bad performance review and we've never had a conversation. I'm filing a grievance and I'm going to win it because you don't, you didn't do these things. So if you think about it from the, I care about my team, I care about my, my employees, my associates. I want everyone to do excellent. And I can't help you get to excellent. If I'm not honest, when your performance review looks different than their actual performance, that's on you as a leader. And you are not honest with your team. Shame on you. <laughs> if you guys have questions, uh, type in the chat so I can get you unmuted. 
you know, some of the stuff you were talking about there, Mary, I was thinking back at different bosses I have, and there's an important component to that of, well, two really trust and respect. So one, if I don't think you really care about me, then why do I really care what you just said? (laughs) And two, if I don't really think you're much of a leader, then why do I want to do what you just said? So how do you, how do you address those in your coaching of leaders? Oh, I love that. Um, John Maxwell has this quote, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And we, we know that old school saying, if you're leading and nobody's following, you're just on a nice long walk all by yourself. One of the things that, that I like to do is really take a look at um, not just the leadership attributes, but do, a, do an inventory. Do an inventory on yourself. And let's be honest, leadership looks good, right? We, you know, the title, the position, the money, it all looks good. But when you think about it, leadership is a daunting task. It's a lot of work if you're going to actually be a good leader. It is truly a lot of work. And there are so many theories out there about, you know, what's the best way to lead. But regardless of all the theories, it's on you. It is on you to be a great leader. So there are some things that I like to talk to um, my clients about when it comes to, well, how do I do this? First of all, are you confident? I've got folks that are in what I call accidental leadership positions. You know what that is, Mike, right? That's that nobody else was there. So we, you know, we had to move you into that position, um, which is challenging all by itself. And especially when they have no experience or even if their experience really wasn't guided and coached and mentored along the way. But when you are confident, not arrogant and not cocky, but when you are confident, confident people inspire other people to be confident, right? So if I'm confident in who I am as a leader and as a mentor for my team and as a coach for my team, that's going to come across because your team is going to see who you are. If you are that leader that says, you know, (laughs) uh, we have to do this because Jeff said we had to, and, you know, hey, I don't agree with it either. That's horrible. That's horrible. And Jeff smiled because he's probably know that has happened (laughs) throughout the years. This is what's coming down from the top, and we've got to do that. No, that's not good. That's not good leadership either. And, Randy, you already said one of the words, but it's about trustworthiness. One of the most important attributes a great leader has to have is trustworthiness because that's your character. If Nick is my boss, and I'm sharing things with him about my challenges that I'm having, you know, within my productivity, I need to know that he's going to do something to help me. I need to trust that he's going to take this information, not use it against me, and actually help me do better and become a better leader. And then the other thing I I love to talk about when it comes to looking at, you know, your leadership skills is enthusiasm. (laughs) Do you like it? Do you enjoy leading others or do you even enjoy the organization that you're with? You know, especially if it's not your company, you know, and we're working, you know, under the umbrella of another organization, be enthusiastic about what you do, you know, about what the organization is doing. Because if you're not, it's hard to lead people to be excited about what they're doing. 
So sometimes we have to just take take a little bit of self inventory, kind of like we do, you know, spring cleaning. <laughs> well, think of it as you know a, a consistent spring cleaning of you as a leader, because what you're doing is impacting everyone else on your team. You have to be steady. You know, you have to be steady in how you handle conflict and chaos. You know, when team members are looking at you because something crazy is going to happen, something is going to throw a curveball at some point in the year. We didn't plan on the pandemic. You know, we didn't plan on any of this, but guess what? It's here. So learn, learn our lessons, you know, understand the details of the things that have happened in the past and then figure out ways in advance to do better. So if I, if I can give those just a few of those, um, okay, I'm gonna throw in two more. One is to be flexible. You have to be flexible as a leader and flexibility um, cannot look like favoritism. Right. So if I need to be flexible because Kay has a different situation than Tabitha and John has a different situation than than Billy, I need to also be honest and transparent with the team on why I'm being flexible with certain situations that are going on in the organization. So those are just like a few of the things that I love to talk to clients about when it comes to let's talk about your leadership. Let's talk about your inventory. Let's do a little self inventory. And I have to throw it in that I'm a fan of doing the disc assessment. Yes, I am. I love it. Not just to figure out who you are, but to be honest about yourself, but also think about who else on your team fits in these other categories so you can learn to communicate. Some of the biggest challenges we have in leadership is communication. That's great. Let's get some questions. Uh, Tabitha, are you there? I am. Hi there, Mary. Thank you for sharing today. This has been great with your end and people asking for advice. I was curious um, with your work, if you, as people are having these tough conversations, um, do you find that there's an, an easy way to talk to people about finding their purpose if they're unhappy at work? If, you know, you have those people that are chronically unhappy and I've been reading a lot and now I do consulting around purposeful transformation at work with companies and people and um, how, what, what are your thoughts around purpose and how can you help those chronically unhappy people find purpose? I love that. I love that. It's you know, first of all, I think we have to let people know that it's okay. It is okay when someone in your organization doesn't want to be there. Our job really then is how do I help them find what they love to do? So we 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 do, and we know that there's career assessments, you know, and all those wonderful tools out there. Sometimes what I like to do with my clients is can we just do a personal SWOT analysis? You know, let's well, old school is okay. Let's do a personal SWOT analysis. And then let's just, let's talk about it. What are some of the things that you've done in the last two years or in the last five years that you really enjoy doing? What is it you enjoy doing? I have someone right now that literally does not like being cooped up in an office. Why are you cooped up in an office in an office position right now? You know, you don't like that. What do you really like to do? And, and get them to really be okay, open and honest about what do they enjoy doing? 
And then even from that employer side, you need to be okay that everybody here on the team really doesn't want to be here. Sometimes we are here because we need the check, but then how do I help you get into the right position within the organization? Or is it truly a company move or is it just a position and responsibility move? Yeah, I love the SWOT analysis. I had never thought about that in the context of a personal review. Um, that's brilliant. Thank you. I love it. I love the personal SWOT analysis. One of my favorite tools. Let's go to Jeff. Yes, gotcha. good morning. Good morning, Mary. I, I think we may have crossed paths at AT&T. Uh, I, I have this weird memory of seeing your... Uh, signature on a memo when I, it was probably from HR, uh, no, um, but anyhow, uh, love your energy. Um, and you know, you've, you've said some really great things. Uh, uh one thing I, I wish I had learned earlier is, uh, you know, being positive and enthusiastic and bring your energy as a leader every day is important. But I, I like you have some downtime, right. And I, I learned that, um, you know, you really have to hide that a little, you know, because your team takes, you know, cues from you, right? So if you're down, they're down a lot. So that's great. And I, I love your advice about uh, also the uh, um, just coaching people to where they want to go. I think uh, maybe less so, but today I think people get offended as as leaders and i'll call them managers when people want to leave their team they take it personally like they're a bad manager but leaders want to the person to be their best self whether that's with them in their team or somewhere else and uh, i think mike kenny had a quote in the chat basically you know you want to get the right people you know, in the right spots you know, and, and the right seats on the bus. But uh, just curious, the question in the chat was, um, if you're familiar with Ray Dalio's radical transparency, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know what, uh, let me, I want to back up to something uh, you said first sure. on being, you know, how do we deal with our downtime? You know, when our team, everybody's not coming to work on cloud nine every day. And if you are, I'm not even going to say the rest. Um, just be, but but here here's the other thing that I have learned as well, Jeff, is when it is when it is a down day. First of all, people can tell. Um, it's okay to say that. Yeah. It's okay to let the team know. Say, you guys know what? It's been a rough morning. I, I'm going to need about 30 minutes to get my head together and get in the right space so that we can have a great day. Um, do you need me for anything before that? And put it out there. And it's okay because what there's tell what we're telling our team, I'm human. Just as you're gonna have a down day, it's 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 okay. Yeah. It's okay. And we need to be, we need to be okay with letting our team know that, you know, it's it's tough. It's it's tough and and it's okay. It's okay that we that we can do that. Um and that on the the Ray Dalio's radical trans transparency um, approach, I I think that I think that that culture where people know 
it's important to challenge each other's views regardless of titles and position and to do it cons- you know on a regular basis or to do it consistently i like it i do i like it but that's also my personality style you know what i'm saying so if you understand y'all know i already slid in and there i love disc if I understand the personality style of my team, including my peers, let alone if I'm managing up or managing um, across or, you know, I have associates, you have to know your audience. You have to know your audience. Everyone is not going to take that well. They're not. I like it. Give, give me some pushback because if you give me pushback, I know you're going to probably do it to help me grow. <laughs> but if you, if you set that atmosphere up, to say, you guys, this is what we want to do, and here's why. And you get people's buy-in, not saying everybody's going to like it. But if you get buy-in and say, we're going to debate some things, and we're going to do it because we want to all get better. And we want to do it regardless of rank and title and position. And to be honest, I could care less about titles and position. My name is Mary. We're a team. Does that help? Yeah, no, that's great insight. Thank you. You are very welcome. Let's go to John. Hi, Mary. Thank you. I do, I'm interested in how you transition from the corporate world to your own business, starting your own business, what that experience was like, and how did that get off the ground? Oh, my goodness. You talk about nights of crying and praying and praying and crying and crying and praying some more. You guys know what it was. Um, here's what's funny. I have always had some entrepreneurial thing going on, you know, for years. It was that determination of, I know what I'm good at. And I know that I've got something that I can use to help other people. Um, I'm going to tell you, it was probably Joyce Meyer that I heard many, 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 many years ago. Like many, like it was probably like 25 years ago. I remember hearing her say something that your your gifts and talents is probably exactly what God wants to use for you to do what he's called you to do. And so when I when I started it, it wasn't just, oh, my goodness, how can I make all this great money? How can I do all this? Because let me tell you something. Those first few years, I'm like, babe, we're going to have peanut butter and jelly and the kids are going to love it. To oh my goodness, this is good. I am good at this. I love this. I am passionate about it. And then looking at how it has transformed, that goes back to even being flexible, you know, within your business. It does not look exactly like I thought it was going to look, you know, four or five years ago. It doesn't look just like somebody else's that I thought, oh, I want my business to look like that person. It doesn't. So I had to learn, John, to do it, keep learning myself, and then keep growing, keep being flexible. You know, we, we can't just start and say, oh, this is what I put on paper. Um, I know we all love creating business plans. I won't tell you I'm not a fan of a business plan, but that's just Mary's idea uh, because that's not my personality. I let other people do business plans. Um, but just being okay and being okay as it morphs and changes and it doesn't have to look like you thought it was day one. But yeah, I cried. I cried a lot. Cried, prayed, fasted, probably lost about 30 pounds, picked it right back up. How long, how long ago was that that you started that? 
Oh my goodness. So I left uh, corporate America in 2012. I originally started uh, my first company, which is still around, which is Wealth on Purpose. That was in 2013. And then I started uh, Turning Point officially EIN. I finally (laughs) separated and did that. That was in 2018. 2018. Thank you. You're very welcome. Let's go to Carolyn. Good morning, Miss Mary. How are you? Good morning, love. Hey, I have a question for you about specific praise. When you're giving someone, you know, we talked about feedback and Mm-hmm. No one should be surprised, right, in, in getting their performance review. But along the way, because much like you, if you're going to come at me at the end of a year with a performance review and we haven't talked about it, um, not cool. But also during the year in pointing out specific praise to the people you lead, what's your theory on that? How do you approach that so folks can have the actionable items of what they're doing well specifically and continue to do that and then connect to, and you know what, that skill ties to this skill. So let's bring that up to the forefront as well. Carolyn, I love that. Um, When you think about, first of all, I'm, I'm a little old school, you all. I like having conversations with people on my team on a regular basis. Um, I don't like monthly meetings. Monthly meetings make me a little weird. Um, but if, if I can have at least time with people who are on my team biweekly, and that's, that's even when in previous leadership positions, I really like weekly, I'm just saying. But I think in all those regular conversations, it should be a part of the conversation. It should always be, here's something, here's what you're doing great. What do you think about it? Here's what we need to work on. What do you think about that? great. What's our strategy and plan? Uh, And Carolyn, you you know, I love my 12-week year. (laughs) I love my 30-day plans. And I love weekly strategies. But it it should be a part of the conversation. But it also goes back to know your team. Know the personality styles and traits that are on your team. If you have somebody that is that steady person, that compliant person, you got somebody else on the team that's very, very dominant, you need to understand how do they need to receive that? You know, I don't like praise in, in an email. I want to hear it verbally. I want you to come and tell Mary, you are doing a great job. Be like, oh, thank you. You send it to me in an email. I'm like, oh, okay. You just went through the process. But that's part of knowing your team. Okay. And that is truly a part of understanding enough about their personality styles that you know the best way to approach them in the positive as well as when there are challenges that pop up. I have one more follow up. Absolutely. Um, How, you know, I, I was just reading this article about managing people now based on, you know, everything that's happened since March of 2020 that people bring to the table, to their workload, to their, their professional life, are little quirks and, and maybe, you know, we'll range it from quirk to full on trauma, you know, that they're showing up with. And I was thinking a lot about that. What you just said about feedback, I'd like to get your opinion. When you invest like that, to your point, you have to know people, but when you invest like that on a biweekly, then when people suddenly seem different in some way, you then have 
the connection and authenticity to just say, something seems wrong and it's not coming out of left field because if you can engage somebody that way, then they know it's coming from an authentic place in your person, human to human. Mm -hmm. And then you solve problems without um, maybe ushering somebody out the door. How much would you put in the priority of, of calling out specific praise in authentic ways that then allows you to have authentic conversations when someone suddenly seems off? You know, Carolyn, you, you, you really answered it. <laughs> it's well, about I don't know having, that I'm doing it right. So whatever well, you, you can add to those layers, I want to know what else I can do. But it, it really is, you all, it is about having consistent, authentic conversations. It is about having consistent, authentic conversation. And if every conversation is just about work and I don't get to find out if Lydia has kids or not kids, does she have a dog? Does she not have a dog? How many dogs does she have? Authentically. One of the first conversations I had with Randy Powell, we talked about fishing and gardening and okra. I will never... It was an authentic conversation. I did not have my pad and paper. I'll say, okay, so how many children do you have? Check. Um, how long have you been married? Check. It wasn't that. It was just authentic. People can tell if you care. You all remember that old saying, people could care less about how much you know until they know how much you care. When we have an authentic conversation and I get to know my people on my team and they get to know me, guess what? They're going to be able to tell me too. Hey, are you okay? I noticed you're a little off. I had an off day not too long ago, Carolyn. <laughs> and I left. And people knew me well enough to say, okay, something's going on. This isn't Mary's norm. I need to check in on her. It's the same thing in, in, our, in, our, in our work life. You've got to get to know your people. I had uh, one of the uh, companies that I train and coach now, the president said something one day and he was like, I do not like all this working from home stuff. You guys, it wasn't because he didn't trust his employees. It's because he misses walking through and seeing everyone because that's him being his authentic self. You've got to have authentic conversations and communicate with people in order to be able to step in when things are off and not in an HR way, but just, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I need to let you know if things are okay. And if you need some time or you need to go take an extra break or, you know, whatever that need is, you have the opportunity to do that because you're authentic. I still remember that okra conversation and it was awesome. I was out yelling at my okra to grow. And Mary said that wasn't leadership. I couldn't yell at my okra. So <laughs> They did not respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to uh, Libby. Hi, good Mary. Good morning. Thanks, Randy. I'm curious about your perspective on strengths leadership. And I am finding a little bit that some people only want to focus on the strengths, even if the role requires areas where maybe that person isn't as strong. So do you adjust the role um, if you can to be able to play to their strengths or do you continue to coach in the areas that their role requires um, and 
you know, in addition to, to loving them for their strengths, but continue to coach in the areas where they, they need to improve. Just curious your perspective on that. That is a phenomenal question. And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm thinking through this because I, I know what I would love to say. Um, <laughs> I think you should say that. <laughs> I, I, I know. I'm trying to make sure that I say it politically correct. Let me, let me, let me put it this way. One of the challenges we have when we begin to promote people is why did I promote you? I have seen us promote people um, throughout the years because they are so great at this. I could be the best salesperson in the world, but that does not make me a great leader. So usually what will happen is, is come back and say, okay, what was it about Tony that you said he was going to be great in this leadership position? Did we have the, what I call again, that accidental leadership promotion? And if these are, if, if we need 10 strengths and I'm coming in at five, why did I get the position to begin with? Okay. Okay. So now I'm in the position and you don't want to fire me because you promoted me and you knew my five strengths. The question then is, are, are those weaknesses or the challenged areas, are they truly able to get to a level that it's like, okay, I know we need 10, but we got to at least get somebody that can come in with eight out of 10 of the skills. Can I get that person to that level? And can I help you with something? I love math. I know how to work a calculator. I like money. I am not an accountant. You can coach me all day if you want to. That is not my strength, nor do I want it to be. I hire people to do those things. But those are the things you all that we then have to be very, very honest about. If I have a position that needs 10 skill sets, can I bring somebody in with eight? And is that enough? If Mary has five, can I, can I bump those other three up to a level that is satisfactory? And if not, guess what? We don't have you in the right position. Is there another position I need to put you in because this particular position, and this is where I, I, I love, ooh, you brought up a good one, Libby. If this position requires these skill sets and Mary doesn't have them, I don't think it's fair to the position and the requirement of the position. So all of a sudden, you're going to change the whole re responsibilities of the position. Does that help or hurt the organization? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. I love that. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Go to uh, Mike Kenny. Mike Kenny, good morning. Well, hello, Mary. Oh, great, great hearing from you. No, so you know some just I don't know, observations and comments. One, you know, hey, as Jeff pointed out, getting the right people on the bus. I'll say this. I'll share openly with people as a former military guy. You know, special forces dude. The army did a great job, and to a degree, we took it for granted that. We had trained and ready people sent to us that were motivated, I'll say ideologically and philosophically aligned, all of that. And not saying that's easy because with high performers, you know, nothing is ever easy. But I will say my experience now beyond the military is that alignment is super critical because if you take it for granted, you can get blindsided. Because you're thinking, hey, I know the direction, where we're going, everyone's aligned. Some of it's a communication problem, no doubt. You know, and the onus is on the leader to more effectively communicate where the organization's going and your vision and your philosophy. Mm -hmm. But the cultural 
piece is another thing, you know? So um, uh, the other comment I threw in there aligned with culture, value assumptions versus value prioritization. And when I say values, I'm talking about, you know, on a personal leadership level, it's like, hey, you value hard work, transparency, you know, commitment, grit. You know, we have Tony Hoffman on the call. So, you know, he, Tony, or, you know, Tony, Randy and I talk about grit and, and perseverance all the time. And I will tell you from a value standpoint, if somebody's not gritty, if somebody's not putting in the work, I don't have much time for it, you know? And there, there's some people that, yeah, you know, they're like, well, you know, that doesn't matter. You know, you know, the, the other thing too is when I say um, value prioritization, is I think people mostly agree on what they value, you know, in terms of a fairness, you know, equity, effectiveness, responsibility, you know, a variety of things. Most people are like, yeah, absolutely. To me, where the rubber meets the road is, okay, well, which things went out? Which are the most important things? And to me, that's when people talk past one another and where organizations, because I may value hard work and commitment and I'll speak for myself again as a military guy and as a Myers-Briggs INTJ type of guy, very data-driven, not that I don't care you know, about feelings and stuff like that, but if I'm seeing a course of action that I'm like, this is the way to go, this makes the most sense, and somebody else goes, ah, you know, I just don't feel it, and this is a misstep on my part that I've learned, you know, I would tend to be more like, I get your feelings. It's not that I don't care, but this clearly is the right way to go. And what I've learned over time is taking that into account is really important. So in that value prioritization of, hey, data, you know, data-driven, all of that, sometimes I've had to kind of subordinate that a little bit. Anyway, my long-winded way of saying, you know, in terms of leadership, you know, getting the right people on the bus is critical because if you don't have that philosophical alignment, and that I, I think there, there's just a lot of problems. And I'll just say, uh, I've had run-ins with people where you just come to realize you and I, we're just never going to see eye to eye because I think about things differently or, or, you know, my vision for where this organization is going is much different than yours. And quite frankly, those people need to go. You know, my, I, I, I love what you're saying. Thank you so much for, for sharing that perspective. Um, one of the things that that I've learned to do and, and appreciate is the fact that I cannot handle working with a whole bunch of people that are exactly like me. We won't get anything done. I'm, I am a social butterfly and I am dominant. Um, at the same time, <laughs> what, I, what I've learned is I need all of those people on the bus. I have to make sure everybody's in the right seat. And if I have everybody in the right seat and I still have those, you know, my, my very uh, introverted, you know, my, my beaver personalities, you know, my very steady, you know, steady folks and like, oh my God, they, you know, and I have some of those people in my family, they're called my children. Um, but understanding the value that each of those actually bring to the table. If there's one that that can frustrate me the most, it's that naysayer, the one that always, oh my God, the negative Nancys. Do we have any Nancys on? Okay, I'm looking okay. Um, 
You, you all know what I mean by that, that negative Nancy person. But what I've learned is I need negative Nancy around every now and then because that attitude is usually that one that will make me pause and think, did I miss anything? Did, did I miss anything that my negative Nancy counterpart over here has brought up? And I've learned to allow them to talk. You, you all know I learned use the word learn because before I'd be like, you know what, thank you. Probably not going to invite you to the next meeting. Or I'm going to schedule it when I know they're off. You know, there's some sneaky ways we can do that. But still get into a place where I can appreciate their perspective. And then uh, in my Kansas Leadership Center way, how do I turn up the heat just a little bit and really get people to share their why? You could be negative in the, in the meeting, but I'm gonna, you're going to have to tell me why. You're going to have to give me some reasons why. And then how do we use that to help move us forward? Because they're going to come in with a totally different perspective than probably the rest of the team who's already on board. So I'll, I'll just share that a little bit. I know where you're at because I'm like, mm, I don't like talking to those people. But I'm, I've learned to try and value their perspective and figure out, okay, is there anything I missed? Right. No, I totally agree with you. Like the team I have now, I'm grateful for. And my ops director, Christy, who's a military spouse, I like to say she's the yin to my yang, you know, in that she's, you know, much more effusive and bubbly and, and more and empathic and all that stuff. And I'm kind of more, all right, direct this, that, and the other thing. But again, the subtle difference is I'm not saying at all that everyone needs to think like me. What I'm saying is, hey, we in terms of being purpose driven and goal oriented, and you know, mm -hmm. the philosophy, we're, we're in the same direction. It's not orthogonal. It's not, hey, I want this, and then there's these hidden agendas, you know, where oh, well, we're going to tell you that, but we're we we want something else, and you're being subverted, or you know, as I think Kirsten's saying, what happens when people are resistant to accept their weaknesses or don't believe? you know, that they have them. It's just like, you know, when you have the conversations like, hey, um, this is where we're going. Everyone agree. And, and you know, you realize that's not the case. You know, that can be a problem. But I totally, I totally mm -hmm. agree that hire, you know, hiring people that really, I'll say, compliment you or, or maybe make up a skill deficit, somebody that's mm -hmm. more social. I'm more of an introvert. You know, others are more extroverted. You need that. You don't need the group think thing. So I wasn't at all, you know, intimating that a, everyone needs to be, you know, this monolithic entity that all thinks the same way. That's dangerous. Absolutely. The, it's the values thing and, and the philosophy thing that I've come to find is very important because if everyone's not marching in the same direction you know, and they've all got their own hidden agendas, that can be very problematic. And, and you're absolutely right, especially when it comes from leadership. You know, if it's coming from the executive leadership team, um, you're you're absolutely right. There, there is that opportunity when you get that someone that that's, you know, we're moving this way. Why are you, you know, why do you consistently keep trying to tug us moving back? That is absolutely that great time to say, I noticed this. Walk me through why. Walk me through what, you know, tell me your thought process, because I got 10 folks on the team moving forward. You're the one. Walk me through why you're the one. And, and then, Mike, can I be honest? Absolutely. There may come a time I may need to get you off the bus. 
But the same thing, even within leadership, if you think about evaluating who's on your leadership team, just as you would, you know, your associates or your employees on the team, guess what? Every now and then I like to remind myself, would I hire Mary? <laughs> would I hire me? How am I doing on my leadership skills? How am I handle conflict? You know, if, if, if Tom and I are butting heads in every single meeting, what am I doing about it as the leader? And then do I need to bring in someone else to help have this conversation? Because what we can't do is keep doing this consistently, not all the time. Because after a while, I don't want you to come to work. Okay. All right. Mike's giving me my nod. I think we're good. I think, I think Mike just said he's not effusive and bubbly, which is like a total shock for everyone today. But thanks for opening up. <laughs> uh, let's go to Billy. Hey, hey, Mary, thank you for, uh, for, for, for uh, taking the time with us today and so forth. It's really, really been good. Uh, you, you made a comment earlier, you said about, about you being easy to read, and, and I'm definitely easy to read as well. And you also mentioned that leaders should show confidence. Uh, it's pretty important to realize when your camera's on and not earlier this year, I had a sales guy win a really big job. And I was excited for him, but he saw me on camera going like that, trying to figure out how we're going to fulfill this order. Uh, so, anyways, you got to be got to be mindful of timing and 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 and, and <laughs> when your camera's on. But actually, my question though is around um, around. I've got three people on my team that are within two years of retirement, which is scary and replacing them. But I've I've got reviews to do actually today and tomorrow actually. So, anyways, any advice on on doing reviews with people who are on the way out and you know it's not about developing for their next role so anyways mm -mm. Any thoughts on that you know i love that um i that is <laughs> that's happening with a friend of mine right now <laughs> um he has 33 years of service i'm like i know what you're doing be don't be slick but i honestly billy is to have those honest conversations like listen i knew we are in the last two-year stretch let me tell you what I still need to see from you consistently, okay? I, I wanna make sure that we can max you out the, the last two years is being honest about it. You know, tell me, tell me what your plans are. You know, if, are you looking to reduce hours? Do you want some additional responsibilities in the last two years? Do you wanna reduce your responsibilities? Give them that opportunity to be open and honest and make sure that they don't feel like you're threatening, you know, like, are you trying to get rid of me? No, we are excited. We know you're going to be ready to retire in those next two years. I want to maximize your time with us these next two years. How does that look like for you? Put it on them. It's good. I like it. Thank yeah. Let, let them share that with you. Cause you guys know what happens. We certainly, I'm taking every vacation I can every month. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, some people want to sew into the, uh, others too. So you know, just uh, that's a good point. I just need yeah. to ask, what would they yeah. like? To, what would they like to accomplish in the last year or two? Yeah, good. these last couple. What do you want to do? Do you really want to mentor someone? You know, and here's the hardest part: when we ask them, we have to be quiet. You got two years left to retirement. Tell me what you want that to look like for you at work, and sh and let them talk. You may have to tell them why you're asking a little bit, but then just let them tell you. Good advice. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that question. A lot of times I ask people, what do you want your legacy to be here? You know, when people think about you five years later, what do you want them to remember? And can we get that done? 
you know, so it gives them some goal. I That's like perfect, that. Randy. I love that. Uh, let's go over to Kirsten and address her question, which uh, was a great question. You there, Kirsten? Yes. Um, so I'm in the middle of performance reviews and, oh, it's the worst part of my job. Um, and except like if I were Mary or if I had Mary sitting on my shoulder, it would not be the worst part of my job. It might be, you know, a lot of fun, but I have these, a couple who just don't see any, um, any ways that they can grow and develop because they believe that they are already there. Um, and so when I have to address specific, um, behaviors or situations, you know, I, it's the arms crossed and the, well, I didn't do that. Who said that? Who, who said I did that? And it's more about like, who are we going to target than it is? Oh, um, that wasn't my intent or mm -hmm. that's not how I, wanted to happen or oh i how can i change that behavior but it's more of a it's taking the professional to the personal and so how do you keep it in the personal and and folk or keep it in the professional sorry mm -hmm. I and, admit. <laughs> and, yeah thank you <laughs> and um recognize and be strong because it's easy to to it's easy to wilt right okay so maybe not for everybody but i can get halfway through and an evaluation have somebody talk me out of it you're like oh yeah you're right you're right <laughs> and you can't do that so right. so let me let me throw a couple things out there one is if, if these are people that you've been working with for, you know, a good little while, you probably have a little bit of idea what their personality style and, and behavior is like. Yes. And if, if you think on that, if you just think on that for just a moment, it's like, okay, so if this is their personality style, what are they most concerned about? Is it, you know, feeling like they've been taken advantage of, or is it not being appreciated? Something, something is usually triggering those responses and for some reason they're feeling threatened one of the things you can do is have an open conversation about something totally different especially if it's like you know i know you've been here at the company you know for some some you know what are your thoughts and and plans here what, what you know what would you like to be doing I want to get promoted or I only plan on being here three more years. Okay. If there were some things that I could help you with while you're here, what would those things be? If there were two or three areas that I could help you grow in, what would those be? It's a little bit of flipping of the conversation, right? Think about if, if you can, because I know it's performance review time, but if, if I can start the conversation out a little bit differently, what, you know, talk to me about your career here. What do you want to do? Because if these are the things you want to do, how do I help you get there? Because I'm not just going to keep bringing up your weaknesses and the stuff you need to, you know, the areas you need to improve on 
just to piss you off every time we talk. It's because we really need to shift into this direction. And here's why. Here's why we need to shift and, and sharpen up these skills. And if you're telling me this is what your career plan is here at the company, this is a great time for us to start working on these. If they can see the benefit of working on these areas, they might give you a little bit more buy-in. Not saying they will. Oh, they might give you a little bit more buy-in. Good morning, Tony. Uh, good morning, Mary. Uh, no, I just want to thank you for the conversation. Uh, not, nothing really to add. Uh, um, you mentioned um, uh, the conversation about somebody near retirement. I think that can be an honest conversation. And I think they may be able to assist in if you're going to backfill that position and maybe want to change it. We've had, I've got a retirement today, 21 year person. And um, he has helped me rewrite the job description that we are now will open up here in the next um, uh, probably week or so. Um, and it's been a very positive process. Um, He's been running to the finish line, which may not always be the case. But I think sometimes giving people a challenge um, in a in a good manner can assist your organization, and it can kind of get them motivated for their last couple of years that they are playing a meaningful role in the future of the organization. Um, I think the other thing I would add, Mary, because what I take out of these very thought provoking, so. I love the topic that you and Randy are, are doing today. I think the other piece is um, for those high achievers, those are a little easier conversations. And those are, frankly, um, the people that I put a lot of time and effort into. Not that I don't the others, but those are going to be your future leaders, either internal or external. And if they're seeking a promotion out of your organization, I consider that success because they're trying to better themselves, although you hate to, to maybe lose those. For the others, a suggestion maybe is uh, for my senior leaders, I ask them what they are after with their career. They've kind of hit a plateau in a, in a good manner. They want to stay with the organization. Um, there's probably no upward mobility. So I really seek them to tell me what they are after, either personally or professionally, as we integrate that into their um into their annual um, goals and objectives. So anyway, uh, that was my two cents, Mary, but uh, all thought provoking from your, um, from your topic. So thank you. Thank you, Tony. You know, you brought something up. One of the, one of the best signs of a great leader is what other leaders have you helped build and create and lift. If, if you've got folks on your team that are scared of the other people on the team because you think they're going to so I need somebody to surpass me. I'm looking for the next president of Turning Point Training and Development. You better believe it because I need to take some longer vacations. But when you, when you think about it, the best leaders are creating their replacements. And, that, and that's, that's really, if we can get people to, to not feel threatened, and realize, oh no, I'm good. Let me show you how good I am because I'm going to make some, some, some more leaders so that everybody keeps moving forward. And can you imagine, Tony, having a compliment that says, you know what? I am as great as I am as a leader. I left this organization, but I give credit to Tony because Tony spent time with me and Tony did this. That makes you look so awesome. And it's like, oh my God, Tony is a great leader. Mine goes back to Ruth Tillman. 
out of Chicago, Illinois at AT&T. That bossy woman, but you talk about, she pulled me to the side as a very, very young leader and said, you will not do this, you will not do this, and you will not do this. And I said, yes, ma'am, and I kept it moving. And I sit back now and I'm like, oh my goodness, she was so right. Not saying I liked everything she said, Jimmy. <laughs> but great leaders, we should be creating the next leaders. We should be creating our replacements. Mary, if I might add to that, not to uh, be my final comment, I don't want to hog the conversation. Uh, but I think the other thing is some of those leaders may come back to your organization that have benefited from promotion elsewhere. They could come back. So it's um, it's kind of that don't burn any bridges type piece because they may be coming back with more experience to the same organization they left, especially if they, they like the culture, but there was no upward mobility in that particular mm -hmm. organization. So anyway. Absolutely. That's a great point. There, if there's one thing, especially when I do leadership training, you know what I tell them? Close your eyes, picture the worst boss you ever had. Everybody can picture that person. And guess what? Somewhere in the break room, they're going to talk about who that person is. And you just want to make sure it's not your name. <laughs> it, make sure it's not your name in the worst boss category. But make sure that you can say, you know what? Hey, I was not a great boss here, but here are the lessons that I learned. This is where I'm at. And this is why I still keep growing. You know, like my books on my desk are not for decoration. It's because I read them. I read about unconscious bias. I keep traction on my desk. Um, I have, I listen to my books when I am in the car. I don't stop. I don't stop. And that's what we have to do as leaders. You know, I want to close with one question and Mike brought up something that, that made me think of this and, uh, and you just hit it a minute too there. If I go to the beach, one of the scariest things to me is the undertow. I can't see it, but it's going to suck me under and kill me. And those undertows happen in the business when people aren't honest about their alignment or their agreement. And so they'll sit in the performance review. We talk about the leader being honest, but the employee isn't honest either. They sit there and they nod and they sign it. They, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then they leave and they start the undertow, which is I'm going to go grab Tony and grab Mike. I'm going to say, Randy's a moron. These ideas are horrible. This will never work. This place is going to fail. And I start to create this dissent that never gets addressed out in the open until the undertow has sucked me under and killed me. So how do you surface those things in your reviews and in your coaching to find out that there isn't that agreement and alignment? Oftentimes it, it'll show up in performance, right? It, it'll show up in performance. Um, it'll show up in those water cooler conversations. It's tough to get people who are um, deceitful, deceitful, to be honest, it, it is. But the challenge is when, when we have to deal with negative people and we know that it's them, <laughs> that's when we get to have the conversation. You know, I get a feeling that this is probably not something, you know, that you're, you've got full buy-in. Can you walk me through that? You know, or having those open team conversations that say, okay, if you're thinking this is the craziest idea I've come up with, you guys, help me walk through this. It's like, I need you. I need you to talk to me about why you think this isn't going to work. Because if you tell me why it's not going to work, then maybe I can help plan, you know, a solution for or together as a team we can. The challenge is, to be very honest, 
we may not ever have 100% buy-in on everything we're doing in all of our teams. We're not. But what I cannot have is dissension. We, we can't have that. I can't have you pulling us back three miles after we've made it five. We can't do that. And sometimes it is that, you know, as a team level, we need to be very upfront and honest. Here's where we're going. Here's why. I need to know who thinks this isn't going to work so that I can make sure I didn't miss anything and maybe give them that opportunity to share. Well, you know, I don't think it's going to work because of this. How do we have some open dialogue about it versus you're just going behind, you know, leadership back and you're at the water cooler and then you're causing dissension and issues under the table. Just a thought. And then if they can't get on board, I think it's fair to say they need to work somewhere else. <laughs> you know what? You know, this isn't a good fit for you. And we say it with a smile, Kay. <laughs> we say it with a smile. Is this a good fit for you? You know, it's not, you know, you think what we do is crazy, you know, you know, but, but, and make it okay for them as well. For those of you who really cannot get on board with this, let's have a sidebar conversation. Let me help you get to where you need to be. I'll help you. Well, this was awesome, Mary. A lot of great topics uh, that you've hit here. Thank you, and, everyone. Uh, we, we could go on another uh, couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> we could. <laughs> we could. We could. But it's really important you know, to help organizations be their best and help each of these leaders be their best. It's tremendously important to continue to develop these skills. And it's tough. It's hard to have these conversations. It is. And it doesn't happen overnight. Even when we do our own personal SWOT analysis on our leadership skills, we, we've all got areas to improve and it won't happen overnight. Just got to take time and be consistent with it. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for spending time with us, Mary. I really appreciate it. Thank you all so much. Thank you for all the great questions. Thank you. Thank you. You all have a phenomenal week. It is actually Thursday. Yeah. And just in case Christmas is coming up in a week and new year, right after that. And now we're into 2022 <laughs> already. It's around the corner. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Everyone all go right. lead well. You guys enjoy your holidays and we will see you all soon. Bye everyone. Thank Merry you. Bye. Bye.